very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show. And today I'm super excited to have Julia Waller, somebody I have met in person several times and who I have had the privilege of listening to and learning from. She is the expert at strategiccoach.com on unique ability. Strategic Coach is a is a program started by Dan Sullivan 30 some years ago and I'm one of their students and they coach entrepreneurs and uh, they focus on helping entrepreneurs continue to grow. So Julia, welcome. Welcome to today's episode where we are going to be talking about unique ability. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk about my favorite topic, unique ability. Absolutely, Julia. I mean, everybody knows, you know, if if anybody has any questions on unique ability, the person to call is Julia. So I'm so (laughs) glad you had the time to, you know, you allocated the time to talk to us and all of our, you know, doctors and other listeners. Uh, So hopefully they can also learn a little bit more about unique ability and perhaps how to use it in their lives and in their business and in their teams. Fantastic. It's an amazing strategy for success and for people who are really striving to reach higher and higher levels of excellence and also contribution in the world. So knowing your unique ability really makes a huge difference in uh, in, in doing that. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are up to big things. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the word itself is self-explanatory, but I would like you to define it. What is unique ability in your own mind? Absolutely. Okay, there are a couple different definitions. I'll give you the sort of simplest definition. And really, it's unique ability is what we consider as what you love to do and do best. Okay, so it's your natural set of talents that you have that are kind of hardwired, probably since a very young age, um, and then you've kind of developed them throughout your whole life, and you're really passionate about doing them. So that's sort of the bottom line of what your unique ability is. And it shows up in in all areas of your life. It shows up at work. It shows up at home. Uh, a lot of people kind of notice it more in their, in their work because that's kind of what they get paid to do and the, the value that they create. Uh, and if you're doing an activity that fits in with the unique ability activity, it kind of has four characteristics. So you can kind of notice that you're doing something that's unique ability. And those I'll give you those four characteristics because these are helpful. It just says you watch yourself doing things every day. So first of all, you have a superior skill. So you're really, really good at it. And other people would also say that you're very good at it. In fact, you might not realize how good you are. Other people might have to tell you. Okay, so you've got a superior skill. Uh, It's something that you're super passionate about. You just love doing it. It's one of those, you know, you're in the flow. You could keep doing it. Uh, It gives you great joy. uh, And you really, really love doing it. Um, The third thing would be is it gives you a ton of energy. So as soon as you're doing that activity, it's giving you energy. And it's also spreading that energy. It's kind of contagious and infectious to the people around you. So they're getting energy from it, too. And the fourth characteristic of a unique ability type of activity is that you just want to keep getting better and better. You know, if you could keep exploring and learning and growing in that area, you would love to do that. You know, there's other areas where sort of needs improvement and you dread trying to get better at them. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the stuff that you're actually already really good at. You love doing it. It gives you energy. 
and you want to just keep getting better and better at that. And if you could just be freed up to do that kind of stuff, then you would be just a happy camper and you would be super creative and having fun uh, and making a huge contribution. You'd be super productive and getting really, really great results. That's kind of our basic definition. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. I want to kind of ask you some clarifying questions. Of course, as you know, I have been thinking about it and working on it. I spent so much of my time every day for the last you know, year or two on this. So I have been like doing everything you're talking about here on a daily basis myself and with my team. And one thing you said at the very end that I just want to kind of reflect on, which is um, you know, um, happiness, right? When mm. you are happy, nobody has to manage you. Nobody has totally. to tell you what to do. You are just, you use the word flow. And I, I know there's a book by the name Flow by um, Michel, I can't remember his name, but it's an amazing book. Um, and uh, he talks about, you know, sometimes when you're windsurfing, you are in that flow. And surgeons, when they're operating, they're in that flow. Just time kind of stands still and they're just in that moment. And, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, so coming back, what you're saying is that happiness. So what you're saying is when you do something you love, something you're good at, you tend to be such a positive influence on the people around you. You create so much positive energy. And because you love it and you're so good at it, nobody has to manage you, tell you what to do. You continue to grow and grow and grow in it. That's one of my favorite things about it is it, it's it's internal to you, right? It's You don't need someone else to motivate you to do it because it's what you love to do. It's what you're hardwired, you know, your talents are almost hardwired in your brain and in your in your system that that's what you naturally want to do anyway. So you don't need someone looking over your shoulder, hey, Julia, did you do this? And I, I just, a lot of the stuff that I've done and created in, in my role at Strategic Coach is stuff that I just created because... Well, first of all, there was a need for it, but I love doing it. I mean, I started out creating a bunch of systems that didn't exist when I first started almost 20 years ago now, which is crazy. But nobody had to manage me to make sure I did those things. Those are actually ideas that I came up with because I love doing those things. And I love creating systems and structures, especially around people's growth, which is really what the unique ability process is. And, uh, and you know, we talk about self-managing company a lot at Strategic Coach, and that's really kind of the idea is that if we had everybody doing activities that they love to do and do naturally and want to keep getting better and better at, they bring this positive vibe and energy and happiness like you're talking about to everyone around. First of all, that's an amazing culture to work in, right? And then second of all, you're not having to, and it doesn't mean you don't have to still, you know, reinforce performance and, and work together on goals and work through obstacles and everything. But in alignment with your company's vision and your goal of where you're getting to, if you have all those unique abilities fired up and everybody's batteries included, you know, totally pumped up and excited about their zone of, of excellence, then that's where you're going to get these really exponential multiplier kind of results. And then you're also going to have a lot of fun doing it, right? Right. And and right. that's where, you know, we talk about self-managing company, and then we also kind of the next level up is self-multiplying. So if I'm working in my zone of unique ability and you're working in yours, uh, my creativity is just going to be endless and boundless. So I'm going to come up with new ideas that other people might never have thought of because I just love my, my – I go so deep in my area of unique ability that I just see new opportunities and possibilities that other people wouldn't see. Now, if I wasn't there, some different 
team member would, you know, or would be bringing in a different set of, of, of new possibilities and opportunities based on their strengths and talents and passions. So it's a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty amazing thing when you get it all working together. Hmm. This kind of goes back to something even more philosophical. I think in school we are told, here are your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. <laughs> what you're telling yeah. us is, you know, focus on your strengths. Focus on that thing that you love and that you're good at and, and let other people who do things that they love and are good at work with you as opposed to you try to do everything and kind of not be good at anything or not enjoy anything as much. That's exactly the idea. And it is counter to a lot of the ways that we've been brought up in school or, you know, what our parents have, you've got to be well-rounded, you've got to be good at everything. And, you know, there is a lot of research out there. And I've done a lot of uh, research of my own lately on, we use one of one of the profiles we use to help you define and come up with language around your unique ability. It's called the Strengths Finder by the Gallup organization. And it is based on a study of, of strengths. And, and when you look at weaknesses, you know, if you, you can, if you're, let's say, a two out of five in terms of your talent level of something. I don't know, maybe it's learning how to play the guitar or something even. Um, and you start out at a two out of five. You know, you can you can really invest in practicing and work really hard and work really hard. And, and even if you're a five out of five on effort, you're going to end up with a, a 10, right? But if you start out with your level at something is a five out of five, and then you uh, work at it really hard and practice and invest and learn and grow and, and get experience and build skills around it, say, out of 5 out of 5, that's a, that's a 25. That's a multiplier effect. So when you work on your weaknesses, you're going to get an incremental um, growth. And then when you start with something that you're already really, really good at and sort of ride the horse in the direction it's already going, then you get this really big, uh, you know, excellence version versus sort of mediocrity where you're kind of okay at everything. Dan always jokes around that when you work on your weaknesses, you get really strong weaknesses. <laughs> and that's kind of our joke around here. So what we do instead is we look for other people who actually want to want to do those things and are better at them than we are. So then that frees us up to focus more on our unique ability. And it also gives someone else an opportunity to do something that they love doing. And then that's where the teamwork happens and, and everything kind of comes together. Right. That makes a ton of sense. Um, so you're saying by working on your strengths, we can get exponential growth as opposed to working on your weaknesses, you will only get incremental. So you'll go from 40% to 50%. Here you're going from you know, 100% to 500%. It's, it's almost like uh, you know, the Beatles, right? I mean, they're one in a generation. You know, Forget about one in a hundred, right? And it's because all these amazing people who are so good at there are pieces coming together and doing this magic, you know, that yes, people exactly. talk about for 50 years. Yeah, exactly. And and Dan talks about, actually, Dan's got the word magic in his unique ability statement even because it's this sort of magic of unique ability teamwork and what's possible when you put all these unique abilities together. It's a completely different thing exactly than than sort of an incremental progress and okay i got i got a little bit better at that and i got a little bit better plus it's not it's not really fun it's not very satisfying it's not very meaningful and it's not going to have a big the biggest possible impact i mean as you can hear me talk it's probably obvious that i'm all about having a big a big impact and i think we all want to make a big contribution to people right. around us so where your biggest area of contribution is is actually in the area of your strengths and your talents and your passion it's not in those other areas, yeah. So it's the intersection of passion with strengths, and hopefully 
you know, in a way that is makes sense, you know, financially viable. So everybody, you know, wins. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we want to. I think that's where our greatest potential to, for wealth creation is too, and for. Well, it, it all starts with value creation, and, and I think all entrepreneurs and the people who are listening, all your dentists and doctors, they they, they create value uh, first, and they're putting themselves out there, and then they're you know getting rewards back for doing that value, creating that value, and and when you start from that that framework, then that's your your biggest opportunity. If you're creating value using your unique ability, you know people pay pay money for unique ability. They pay money like if you think of athletes or you think of the Beatles or. People, I mean, sometimes we think of unique ability in terms of sort of rock stars or sports people or things like that. Entertainment seems to, we do pay a lot for those kind of unique abilities just to watch them, right? The, they're fascinating to watch, that quality and level of skill. I mean, I love watching the Olympics because the talents are incredible and they're competing at such high levels and, and it's fun to watch. But unique ability isn't just those rock star things either. I do want to make that clear. Everybody has a unique ability and different people show up in different ways. But that's our greatest chance, I think, to create value, which then brings us the rewards back, whether it's money, opportunities, reputation, um, you know, great teamwork, all the things that come back from, from making a contribution, plus just your own satisfaction that you've made a difference, which I think right. we all want to in some way. Absolutely. I think um, we get, I mean, when you talk about intrinsic motivation and satisfaction, a lot of times, you know, making a difference for others, you know, doing something you love. These are all things that, are, you know, that no money and no amount of check can give you, right? I mean, if you're miserable doing something, you know, it's not the yeah. same as doing something you really, really love and at the same time making a difference in the lives of others. Exactly. And I think there are a lot of people out there who are making a lot of money even doing things that they're very, very good at, but they don't love doing those things. And I've, you know, I think a lot of, you know, maybe more corporate people are, uh, but just a lot of people out there, they think that's just the way it is. You know, well, I'm good at it. I don't love it, but I'm going to do it and I'm getting paid for it. And so that's sort of where they stay. And they, they, they don't have that level of, oh, well, wait a minute, what do I really love? Or which part of these activities do I really love? And could I carve out my role so that I'm actually just focusing on those things and rearranging things around me that I have other people to support me. And that's where I think entrepreneurs have more freedom to be able to do that kind of thing than most of the rest of the world. So when you're in that position, you actually can have the freedom. Some people don't realize they have the freedom, but you actually you have it more than other people do. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that. So you're saying there's no traditional job description. So, for example, uh, you have a manager. Let's say she doesn't like to, uh, you know, make a case presentation um, to a new patient or let's say a, a, a team member. So you're saying you don't have to make them do something they hate. You could rearrange it so they do the things they're good at. Just because the word manager is there doesn't mean that they have to do this, 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 and this. They can now do the things they love. A hundred percent. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, that's that's exactly right. And the the idea, the more and more you can do that, and it, it can happen step by step. It doesn't have to happen all overnight, right? But if you can redesign in your mind, first of all, realize that you have the freedom to redesign that job description, right? Especially as as a, as a business owner, you can do that. But some people think there's a big should in their mind. Well, as the as the president, as the CEO, as the leader, as the the entrepreneur, I should be the one. You know, I've had clients where I had one client. He he. Uh, 
he actually owned a car dealership, but he he thought he should be in his office, you know, doing certain things as the job description that went along with his title. And when we re-looked at it and and freed him up and had him realize what his unique ability really is, he realized that actually him going around and talking to all the salespeople on the floor and innovating new different ways to sell um, and to, to get new business, that's actually where his unique ability uh, was. And so he rearranged this whole kind of job description for himself and was just like a house on fire. He w- he went crazy and went nuts with all these amazing new opportunities that he created for his business. Meanwhile, when he came and talked to me, he was almost ready to sell his business. He was so miserable. And yet he had all these financial responsibilities and all these things on his shoulders. So all we had to do was almost rearrange his own thinking so that he could see and allow for that possibility. So if you start looking at, instead of looking at job descriptions for the people on your team and, and for yourself, and you start rearranging, okay, well, what's your unique ability part of this process? Okay, well, let's, let's have you do this part of the process, and this maybe belongs to somebody else, and they can do this part of the process. So now you're rearranging based on unique ability instead of some arbitrary job description that somebody made up, well, here's your list of things to do, and you've got to be good at all of those. Well, usually people aren't good at all of those things on the list, but they do them because they have to, right? So it's really flipping things on their head a little bit and uh, doing it differently, which, you know, has a few bumps sometimes too, but it's completely worth it because now you've got people all in these different slots, sort of a relay team, right, where you've got one unique ability passing the baton to another unique ability passing the baton to another unique ability, and that's going to be a way better process than having someone kind of stumble through the parts they're not very good at. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you cannot motivate people by, you know, kind of kicking them or like, you know, like forcing yeah. them. You can motivate people by inspiring them. So by letting them do what they love, the inspiration just comes automatically. That's right. This is awesome. I think um, let's just jump in now. I have a question, and I know we, you've said this. Is, a lot of people think of unique ability when they think of the Beatles or you know an NBA player. Does everyone have a unique ability? I mean, you've been working with hundreds, or if not thousands, of people on this. So, what what's your take on it? Yeah, I totally believe everyone has a unique ability. I think some unique abilities are more developed than others, and they're more expressed out in the world than others, and some are more valued than others. But I think everybody has an innate set of talents that they're they're born with and that they could potentially turn into these amazing things. You know, uh, I think we all have that potential. And then some people will, you know, veer off depending on a million different things into different different ways of, of actually applying that in their lives. But absolutely, I think we all have these, these and, and there is research on this too, with the two tools we use, the StrengthsFinder that I mentioned and the Colby, they've done, both of them have done a lot of research into, um, how we're born and a lot of these things are factory installed and then you know when you're when you're kind of have something that's already natural to you and you're, it's born you're born in with it let's say and then you cultivate and develop it and practice it you know you think of the 10,000 hours Malcolm Gladwell and that kind of thing you invest in it over time it becomes a really incredible strength i think what happens is a lot of people don't know that they have a unique ability cuz they don't one of the biggest things I see is people take their unique ability for granted. They don't think it's a big deal because to them it's kind of easy. It's sort of natural and obvious. It's kind of like just their regular 
you know, sweater that they're wearing that they wear every day, so they don't even realize that it's something special. Meanwhile, it's actually a cape. It's like a superpower. But they think of it as just any, you know, well, yeah, of course I can do that. That's no big deal. That's like for you, solving problems. It's not actually hard for you. It doesn't mean it doesn't challenge your brain. You know, you're you're a dreamer. You can see into the future. That's natural for you. You may even think, well, everybody could kind of do that. I think you know that that's not true. But a lot of people out there, they think that just because it's easy for them, it must be easy for everybody else. And that's where they don't really understand the concept of uniqueness. When we say unique ability, yeah, it sounds self-explanatory, but a lot of people don't realize that their set of talents is totally unique to them. You know, there there is nobody else in the world just like me. There's nobody else just like you or any of our listeners. There is absolutely, even if you're identical twins, I don't care. You're not the same, right? We all have a different set of talents. We've got different interests. We've got different values, different upbringings, all these different things that combine together just like a fingerprint. Um, so we don't, we take it for granted. We're kind of blind to it. And we don't really take it seriously. Dan, Dan Sullivan jokes around too that, you know, he says, I take your unique abilities more seriously than you do. So, But if you really took it seriously and you really valued it and really appreciated it and got clear on what it was and then sort of owned it, that's a huge, you know, well of, wealth of, of power that, that you've got then at power to go out and use that talent in the world. Did I answer your question? I know I... Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, can you give me some examples? I know you've talked to all kinds of people with all kinds of unique abilities. Just give me some crazy examples of, you know, like, because I just want people to kind of get comfortable with this idea. Maybe, like you said, we have this romantic view, oh, you know, that that Beatles or that basketball player, and only those people have these amazing abilities, and what we have is, you know, no no big deal. It's commonplace. And like you said, it, it might be because it's so easy for us, we, we, we yeah. think it's nothing, right? Yeah. But can you, like in your experience, like what are some of the unique abilities that once they kind of realize how powerful it is that when they started applying it, it really changed their life? Like give me some examples of different kinds of crazy unique abilities you've seen people have. Okay, so that's a tough one because there's so many people. I've almost kind of uh, taken a deep dive into so many different people's brains and then kind of come out. And, and there's there are a lot of dimensions to unique ability. So it's not usually just, even though we say you can boil, we actually boil down people's unique ability into one sentence. There are a lot of dimensions to it, right? So I can maybe talk about some of the dimensions of people's unique abilities, if, that, if that's okay. Like, for example, things like someone has, uh, one of my clients I can think of, he's actually, he's a dentist. And part of his unique ability is his boundless energy. Okay. Now somebody may think, what, you know, what's the big deal? The guy's got energy, right? But he uses this energy to achieve excellence in an interesting and joyful manner. And this comes out, this comes out in his dental office. This comes out. He's actually building this, um, this train set around his dental office, which is fascinating everybody who comes in. So it's like a, a place where people can kind of come back. They feel comfortable. They can play. They can kind of be a kid again. He, he's like a little kid again. You know, that's just part of his outlook on life. And that's part of his unique ability. Now, he also has an amazing uh, ability to use his hands. And he does things with a very artistic flair. He goes on adventures. And he, there are all these other dimensions. But all he really wants to sort of be this guiding light to other people. And he does it through the channel of dental industry, which is pretty kind of, kind of interesting. I have other clients, you know, they have maybe um, 
a dry cleaning uh, company. And, that, and their unique ability, their empathy and their strategy, and it's channeled through a dry cleaning business, you know. So can, unique ability can, can go in all sorts of different industries. And I've actually had people who, once they got clear on their unique ability, they saw new industries or new areas of development that they could actually go in because they almost separated their abilities from their business. And they got a handle on the difference. I mean, so a lot of our clients are very incredible at um, coming up with a vision and seeing a vision of what's possible, seeing possibilities that other people don't see. Um, I had um, another one of my uh, dental clients. She, she, she actually, after doing her unique ability session, she, she's kind of actually more of a designer, like a designer of spaces. And she could have been an industrial designer. She ended up going into dentistry um, to, uh, following her father's advice, right? But the people side of it wasn't actually her favorite thing. What she really loved was designing these spaces. And so she's actually pretty much now freed up from working um, with the one-on-one with her clients. And she's grown her practice. So now she's innovating new products. So she's got a cool new uh toothpaste and uh, mouthwash all based on coconut oil and she's packaged it all and come up and so she's now freed up to innovate uh, so innovation is part of her unique ability and coming up but it's all with an end result of helping people feel a certain way or helping people um, you know have better health or you know we usually don't narrow it even down to health that's almost too specific because unique ability can can go you know people a lot of my clients they want other people to have a better future have a better life i think you're very much about that right now and you want to help people have a better future um, right. a lot of the client i met with yesterday she's all about helping people have opportunities um opportunities to to create wealth that will allow them to to support their families and she does work in Africa and she does work in northern ontario and she does all that and and she just she just once she's got locked in on a goal she achieves that goal through total perseverance and determination that's part of her unique ability you know i've got people who just think crazy big and have crazy big uh big ideas and and that's part of their unique ability other people it's relationship building strengths that they have and they use their empathy or their sense of 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 uh you know positive energy to to create incredible value for people another one of um of my doctor clients actually really a funny story about him is he he one of the tools that we use to identify unique abilities we have you send out a letter to people around you and we we say you know what do you think my unique ability is and you know what kind of things do you count on me for what kind of things do you appreciate about me and we want to hear all the good things so a lot of his patients and friends and colleagues said how empathetic he was and how caring he was and we we sat down to actually define his unique ability it turns out empathy is actually not one of his biggest strengths it's really what he does is he helps people shift their minds he works a lot with uh, people in pain and he also works in the ICU and he helps the pain clinics. What he was doing was helping people shift their mindset and giving into a more positive frame of mind because they were going to have to deal with the pain anyhow. And also gave them strategies and ideas for how to how to deal with what they were dealing with. What it felt like from their side was that the empathy and that you know he obviously very much cares about about them and that's why he does what he does. But but it was the strategic ideas and the flipping their mindset around to help them have a more positive mindset and a more positive life. And that's what he's really good at. So 
unique ability is kind of this thing that we have in ourselves. And when everybody's around us, we're almost sharing our unique ability with them. We're helping them look at the world through our eyes and use our talents. And I think that's how we actually end up creating value for people. Right. It makes a ton of sense. I think these examples really, you know, brought it alive because, you know, um, it really kind of brought it down to words. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, just my unique ability, I mean, just to share with the listeners, you know, when I first started, of course, I was skeptical and I was not really sure. And it's kind of like um, the way I describe it is the deeper you go into who you are, you get better and better at it because you're putting all your time and attention into it. And then it gets stronger and stronger. So what I like to do is, you know, in my one sentence, you know, using your processes, um, I use my ability to see the world differently, to give people courage, confidence, and clarity. And I do that with my clients. I do that with my teams. That's all I do. And I'm technically a CEO, and I have a 200-person company, but that's not what a typical CEO does. But you know what? In my company, that's what I do. Awesome. That's yeah. You've done. A, I loved your point about going deeper, and the deeper you go, you get better. And that's where it's true. If you focus on fewer, sort of a almost like a smaller niche or a zone, and then you really, really focus on it, then you you do. It becomes stronger. You get better. And and Naren, can you share your your passion too? What's the overall result that you want of of giving those people the confidence, uh, courage, confidence, and clarity? Yeah, absolutely. So in my case. You know, I want to have a thousand times the impact in the next 30 years than I did in the last, um, you know, 10. And the reason is I, I like big challenges and I like to think differently. And I feel by having this crazy goal, you have to think differently. And I believe, you know, that we come with nothing and we go with nothing. So when we are here, might as well make all the difference we can for others because nothing we have create, whether it's wealth or money or fame, is something you can take with you. I mean, when you die, you just leave it behind anyway. But when you are here, just play the game to your fullest, and uh, you know, you know, just uh, like Steve Jobs put it, you know, leave a ding in the universe and uh, mm-hmm. happy about what you did. So you know, it just keeps me engaged. You know, I'm not saying I'm right and somebody else is wrong. It's just me. You know, that's who I am. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And you you want to help other people have have a better future, and you help other people think differently, right? Your ability to think differently, and then by having conversations with people, you probably they leave thinking differently as well, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, giving them that clarity, courage, and confidence. A lot of times, they're afraid to think differently. A lot of times, they're afraid because you know it's unknown. And a lot of people, because they haven't taken that journey into the unknown, they try not to even you know, you know peek in because they're afraid. Oh, what if that unknown is going to, you know, eat them alive? It doesn't. It's just a fear, right? So, and uh, yeah. having done this so many times myself, I, I kind of can lead them on that journey and, you know, think bigger and have the courage and have the clarity and see the world differently. I mean, one of the things I love is, uh, you know, um, if you change the way you look at things, the world changes, you know. So, and I've tried it. It's not like I'm making this up. I you know, like I, I try everything. So, you know, when I try something and and it works, then I go ahead and I do more of it. So You've probably been and, doing this for a long time, really, right? You've been trying this, experimenting, and, and you're one of those people who loves these unknowns and the risks, and you're totally okay going ahead and kind of venturing down paths maybe that other people haven't gone down, right? Absolutely. I get bored 
going on the same yeah. path I went yesterday. <laughs> so for me, it's just I have the opposite problem. You know, I just have yeah. to, yeah. But it is your greatest area of leadership. You said that too, and you know, I think that, I think it's very much about leadership. I think this is where we can be our um, the highest level of of a leader for the people around us too. We each we each can be a leader in our area of unique ability. Right, and the other thing I realized is um, I'm not great, and somebody else is not not great. We are all great. We are all different. So just like they need me, I need them. You know. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, that's the other secret I learned in all of this. And you know, we'll be having a, another podcast down the road uh, with Shannon, who's an expert in unique ability teamwork, uh, who happens to be a sister as well. And uh, but but there we'll talk about how we're going to combine you know forces and how we're going to join forces with people who are different, so different in fact, but together you know it's magic. Yeah, you really do need different people, don't you? Because you don't want to have to do the stuff that you're not good at, right? And that's the whole nature of unique ability. It becomes, a, you, teamwork is necessary. As soon as you take a unique ability path, then you need to have other people around you because you're automatically saying, okay, I don't have to do everything anymore. And so I need to find other people. And they are equally as valuable as you, right? They, they Their contribution is, is hugely important, just like yours is. So take some of that value judgment away from, you know, my unique ability is better than your unique ability. That's, we value in our company, everybody's unique ability works together to create the result that we're trying to create for our clients and help them transform their lives and have more freedom, which is what really we're all about. So it takes everybody's work together. And then you have to, you do have to sort out the teamwork and collaboration because it can be challenging sometimes to work with people who are different than you. And yeah, Shannon's become an expert over the last, what, 26 years of really working with people's teams and she's that's really a big huge part of her unique ability is to configure and arrange these teams and help people have strategies for working together and uh and she's she's awesome at that for sure yeah she is i mean she works with me you know one on one for the last few months and it's amazing she's uh, she really really you know has so much of experience it's like 24 years you know yeah, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> she and she reads a lot. She's got tons and tons of of uh, wisdom, sort of in her in her backpack to to share. <laughs> right. Yeah, like talking to her for like thirty minutes is like talking to somebody for like three hours because she can. <laughs> true. Plus, she talks fast. <laughs> she gets a lot in there, right? It's true though. It's jam packed. It's, she amazes me all the time, and I'm not just saying that because I'm her sister. I've I've watched her over the years and I've seen the the value that she's created for so many people and their teams. And a lot of people came, you know, we have programs for people, for clients' teams because people came and said, hey, listen, this is great for mood. I don't know how to talk to my team about this. So she really uh, innovated and create, created those programs just to support our clients and helping them communicate because not, not, not everybody is as great at taking things back to their team. If it's not part of their unique ability, we kind of can can use Shannon's unique ability in our teams to help help with that. Right. Let's go to the next part of this conversation, which is uh, let's get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts. Um, okay. How do you figure out your unique ability? How does one okay. determine their unique ability? Yeah, so... So we we have you know over the years there's a couple couple angles you can take you can start the sort of simpler path 
if you want to just take it, is to, to take a look at your activities. So we have this in our book. We have our Unique Ability book where we actually have a book and a notebook together. It's almost like a workshop experience all in one thing where we walk you through the steps. But the So the easiest place to start is by starting and and listing out even all the activities that you do in a day or over, say, the span of maybe a couple months because some activities you do on certain weeks and not other weeks, right? So if you were to list everything in your business. Then we have you classify those activities. So which ones are unique ability activities? So again, the definition that we went back to, the superior skill, passion, energy, and never-ending improvement. Which ones meet those criteria? And you kind of look through. And then which ones are you really, really good at, but you're but you don't love doing them? You you may like them, they may be okay, but they're not really, you know, ability is really fascinating and motivating, and you really want to keep doing more of it. And we have another name for those that you're good at, but you don't love, and those are called excellent activities. And this is where I would say a lot of the world sort of lives in excellent activities, what we would call excellent. Then there's other activities that you're kind of not very good at, actually, and you kind of barely meet minimum standards, and those would be called competent activities. And then each one of us has a set of activities that we are just not good at at all, okay? There is a sense of failure and stress and frustration because you're not very good at it. For me, it's usually numbers stuff, anything mechanical, if I have to fix the photocopier or build something with my hands, I'm really terrible at it. So those would fit in my incompetent box. Uh, so we would have you look through those activities and classify them and then really create an action plan around how do I expand the unique ability activities? How do I do more of those? How do I find maybe different audiences to do that with? And then how do I start to strategize the other things in my excellent, competent, incompetent list? And usually we want to kind of handle those incompetent things first because if you're failing at something, you're probably not a good, you should fire yourself from doing that activity and immediately get someone else in to do it because it's just not happening. You might even be procrastinating and not doing it at all, right? Because you're terrible at it. So get someone in to do those things. And then you work at the competent ones and then you can work on the excellent ones as well as you kind of get some of the other things handled. So activities is one way to go. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just to recap, so you take a list of everything you do and you organize it into these four categories. I for incompetent, C for competent, E for excellent, and U for unique ability. Unique ability is excellent plus you love it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Then you start saying, okay, how much of my time am I putting into each one of those activities? And then you will start taking away the eyes and giving it to somebody else because that's the easiest way for you to make a difference in your life because, hey, you you don't have to do those things you are bad at and you kind of make a mess of. Let somebody else do a good job at it, right? So that's a no-brainer. Exactly. Uh, And they also, I just want to mention, they take up a lot of mental space, those ones. So sometimes people say, well, it doesn't take up a lot of my time. But how much of your mental space? And are you waking up at 2 a.m. worried about those things? You know, are they on your mind all the time? So if you want freedom and peace of mind, those incompetent and competent ones, exactly, you want to get rid of those first. I'll give you some examples from my life. So um, I used to sit in front of my computer. This is going back five years ago, uh, waiting for emails and get really frustrated and all that stuff. And I'm not good at follow-ups. And a lot of times, because I'm not good at follow-ups, I would send four emails. And some things I totally forget, and the other things I over, you know, follow up. So I don't know why it didn't dawn on me sooner. But finally, I realized I hate detailed stuff. So I got myself an assistant, and she handles 
all of my to-dos and everything else and just gives me a list to look at for 15 minutes a day. That's it. And she runs everything for me. So I can do what I love, which is to think and innovate and dream and, you know, give people courage and confidence. So what used to take up four of my hours, which was, you know, my incompetent space, now takes 15 minutes and I'm more productive, meaning things are not dropped anymore because she is detail-oriented. She keeps track of all the details. So we are getting better results. Yeah, Yeah, we're getting better results, saving so much time. And uh, and, um, now I can spend those four hours doing something I'm bad at to do something I'm, you know, that I'm, that's in my unique ability. Fantastic. I've had a lot of people make those kind of delegations, especially administrative or project management stuff or things that they thought, well, I should do this. Again, there was this big should. I should. I'm the, I'm the owner. I should be the one to do this. I should answer my own emails. I should, should, should. But meanwhile, again, you're not, it's not your deal. It's not your, you're not very good at it. You're not actually producing fantastic results in that area. And you're not getting a chance to do the stuff where you could really make a big difference and have those kind of conversations, Naren, that you're so good at having with people to help them think differently. And 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 the, you want you have big goals that you want to accomplish, right? You're not going to get there by you know spending extra. It would probably take you way longer to do your emails than your assistant does now, right? Way more efficient, way more productive. Uh, so that's a great leveraging point to free you up. So, you know, again, we're all about freedom. So how do you free yourself up from those things you're not good at and do more of the things that you love and that, that you're actually way better at? Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, 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 the, in, in, the, in the medical world, I, I, I know a lot of doctors who end up doing a lot of things that they don't want to do. They don't enjoy anymore. Maybe even they first came out of school, that was okay for them. But now it's mm-hmm. not fun for them, but they still keep doing it. Yeah, and over time, it really weighs on you, right? It's like you can do it for a while, and everybody can kind of, sometimes you have to pull up your sleeves, and and we don't use unique ability as an excuse to not do things, but you can only do that. You're going to burn out after a while. You're going to, you're going to, you know, and it's not going to be fun for you anymore. Whereas if you can find those activities to let go of, um, then that's a whole different ballgame. Right. And then once you get out of your eyes, which are the easy, easy things, and then you go after the seas. Again, why do you go after the C's? Because even though you're okay at it, A, you're not excellent and you don't love it. So it's it's energy draining, is it? Totally energy energy draining. It's stressful. Uh, there's a sense that a lot of people could do this better than you. So you, it takes way more time to do it. Uh, it's frustrating probably. You know, And again, you're only meeting minimum standards. So we're not talking excellence here at all. We're talking uh, not very good. <laughs> right. I mean, in the case of my home, for example, yes, I could if I wanted to, you know, figure out how to set up a, a computer, but I, I'm not, I don't enjoy it. I mean, it's kind of work for me, and it, it is draining, and I'm already really tired, so might as well find somebody else to take care of that because, you know, even though I could do it and I could read the manual to do it, it's just not worth my energy. It's better to delegate to somebody who loves that stuff. Yes, totally. Right. So you first knock off the ice, and then you knock off the the seas. And and the purpose is, it's all about shifting time, right? So you're focusing on the yeah. things you love and you're good at. So you are now worth 400% more as opposed to instead spending all those times on your eyes and seas, where you are now, you know, playing at an inferior level. Now you're worth only 30%. 
So all of a sudden, the same eight hours, you can hopefully shift it. So more of the time goes into the 400% activities versus on the 20% activities. That's a great way to look at it. They're multiplier activities, right? And we have to carve out your time from somewhere because we can't add more hours into the day, right? So we have to we have to start with where you're at. And maybe sometimes people start, they're only working 20% of their time in unique ability and 80% of it is in those other categories. So we have to start somewhere and start letting go of some of those things to carve out and free. How do we free up another 10% of your time? Even the difference between working 20% of your unique ability to 30%, that's going to make a big difference, right? And then you're going to keep working on it from there and keeping that number expanding and going up. And then that's where everything else starts to expand and go up as well, including your own, uh, you know, feelings of happiness and and uh, loving what you do again. You know, if you are trapped in a lot of those things that you don't love doing, people think, well, I have to stay trapped. Well, you don't. You know, you actually have a lot of freedom to, to move things around. You might have to invest in some other talents or use technology or or find a different way to get those things done. But any investment that you make on those competence and incompetence and even excellence is going to result in those exponential growth and, and revenue on the unique ability side. So it's really making an investment in yourself um, and in the growth of your business. Right. That makes that makes ton of sense. So you're saying you can also delegate uh, to technology? Yes. Yeah, technology can be one you can outsource, you know, you can find shortcuts. Some things you may even be able to stop doing, depending on what it is. Um, but often, you know, you can, you can whether it's a person or a technology, we've got lots of, we're always looking in our administrative systems of how we can use technology to simplify things and take things off people's plates that then they can free them up, say, may to do more relationship stuff with our clients, right? So they're not... Um, doing all the other administrative stuff that could be done by w- using technology. Right. I love what you said, stop doing. So can you give me some examples on that so uh, how people can understand? Like, you know, uh, uh, the one that comes to my mind is, you know, like let's say you're looking at certain reports every single day because you've yeah. been looking at the same reports for the last 10 years. Um, yeah. But maybe it's not really helping you anymore. Yeah, and that's where sometimes people will do all of, let's say they'll they'll do all let's say they're putting together a presentation and they they do all the research and the preparation, the organizing and everything like that. Um if they could cut away some of that in, initial preparation and get someone else to do that, that's more of a delegation than a stop doing, but then then they are just left with the part of doing the presentation that they love doing then that's, again, your energy is going to totally shift with that. I mean, stop doing, I think, would just be looking at your activities. Maybe you've just always done something in your business because that's just the way you've always done it. You know, sending out, I don't know, sending out a card for some, for certain things. Or, you know, I, I've even looked at my process. Do I need to send that many emails or can I cut that down? Or, or is this really needed? I think just stopping and looking. And maybe you decide, yes, it is still needed and I'm gonna, it needs to still get done. And then great, okay, what's another way to get it done? And put your creative hat on and start thinking, of, well, what's a, how could I get this done without me doing it? And that's kind of the question you want to ask. How can this happen without me touching it, without me doing it? And a lot of people, when they really get unique ability in a big way, that's just how they start to operate. Okay, well, I'm not doing it, so great. How else is it going to get done? 
and then they start to build those other people around them who are going to, oh, I want to do that. I'll take that off your plate. You start getting your team actually taking things off your plate. That's the best. When they come and say, wait a minute, Julia, why are you doing this? That's that's more my thing than yours. You know, Let me take that away from you. That's when you're really firing on all cylinders because you've got somebody coming in and actually proactively taking things off your plate. But that's kind of where people get to later on down the road. But I think just really examining, okay, if if I only have a certain number of hours in a day, what is the best use of my time and how do I use it most strategically? Because, you know, when you just leave it up to whatever happens, you're not being very strategic. Yeah, the other thing I'm also realizing, and again, this didn't happen on day one of trying unitability exercise that uh, you developed, uh, Julia, but, you know, in maybe month three or month four, that it keeps improving. So, for example, um, let's say um, I used to do certain kinds of meetings that were very energizing four months ago, but now I don't do them anymore because I have a better use of my time. So now I delegate it to somebody else, so that gives an opportunity for the other person to grow while I keep going on to the next step of my unique ability. So I'm constantly moving, and so are my team. Yeah. So they are also always you know, growing. It's constantly like peeling the layers of an onion. You're always peeling one more layer off, right? Dan's always doing that, and he's been doing unique ability for over, well, probably his whole life, but over 40 years. And, and there's always, oh, what's another layer of something that I can I can stop doing? But then it also, like you said, it gives someone uh, on your team an opportunity to grow. And so that's growing everybody around us and having them become leaders and, and more responsible contributors uh, as we let go of things, if we always hold on to everything ourselves. But you're right, you know, something that used to be an activity that I got energized by, for me, for you, it's sort of innovating something new. And then once you've innovated it, you kind of want to turn it over to someone else to run it, right? And I'll do the same with systems. I've created lots of systems in our company. But once I get it up and running, the maintaining of it doesn't interest me. I'd rather go create another new system. And right. so we, we, it does, it, your, your activities do shift over time. Right, right. Absolutely. And... Um... And the other point I want kind of the listeners to think about is even if it's 10% shifting in a year, that's 200 hours. Yeah. That's you know in 10 years, that's 2,000 hours. You know in in 30 years, that is you know 6,000 hours. That's a huge amount of time, right? So it can really really add up. And what one thing I learned once I started doing this is, you know, it tends to improve and improve and improve. So uh, so. You zoom in more and more, but your multiplier grows and grows and grows. So, you know, for example, uh, I, I used to not do podcasts till recently, but now I'm talking to 500 people, you know, mm-hmm. and it's taking me the same 45 minutes, you know, yeah. that I might have yeah, talked it's a to multiplier. one-on-one. Exactly. exactly. That's amazing. Right. And you're having fun doing it, right? You love doing exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, strategies yeah, it lets lets me think on my feet, you know, which is who I am. I can dance, you know, I can think, you know, on my sleep. So, you know, just that's because it's who I am and I love it. And so I'm having a lot of fun. So it's not even work. You let me ask me to do this for free, I'll do it, you know. It, yeah. it just it's it's something where it's so much fun that it's not work anymore. That's right. And then you know it's going to make a big difference. It's going to help move people forward. It's going to help people think differently, right? It's going to help them have a better future for themselves. And you can do that all doing the things that you love doing. Right. And so, and 
using that example of the podcast, now it also creates opportunities for five other people. There's one person who does the social media. He loves doing that. There's one person who works on relationships. She's amazing at it. So it's just you're not only creating opportunities for yourself, you're also creating opportunities for others, and it's magic. That's amazing. Yeah, it's so much fun. It you know ever since I started at Strategic Coach, why why I'm still here after so long is because we are a unique ability company. And as soon as I started here, Dan and Bob said, "Okay, great. How do we help Julia be a better Julia? How do we take what Julia already is good at, and how do we help her use these talents in alignment with our our purpose for our company? And that's what the whole journey is about. So that's why I'm still here because I'm always getting new opportunities, new avenues, new developments that I can I can take my unique ability and apply it to to make a difference in people's lives and help people grow and fully express who they are, which is part of my unique ability statement. Which maybe we can talk just a little bit too about how you actually define your unique ability. We talked a little bit about looking at activities as one path for understanding unique ability. Do you want to talk a little bit too about how you can define your unique ability? Because that's to me kind of even the What's well, the juicy part? Just because I love knowing really what's underlying, what what makes people tick, I find it fascinating and and uh, really amazing to see. And when people can see that for themselves, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I know people pay five thousand dollars to you know spend a day with you. So I know what you're giving away is like amazing value for people, and uh, I really appreciate you doing that. And uh, uh, before I forget, I know the uh, the book you're talking about. I was just trying to find out you know, how to get some information on the book. So I went to uniqueability.com and I see uh, the copy of the book there, right? So people can buy it from that website, uniqueability.com. Go to uniqueability.com and we're kind of refreshing that and adding new, there's some blogs on there and you can go to strategiccoach.com and our our store there as well, we have it. But uniqueability.com is where you can get the book for sure. You can get it on Amazon too. Right, right. And it's such an easy name to remember, so I don't think people have to you know, try too hard to remember the word unique ability. Yeah, That's let's right. talk about the unique ability statement, Julia. Like, help me understand. Like, how would somebody go about figuring that out? Okay, so it, this is sort of a little bit requires a lot of thinking and probably a few trips to the coffee shop. You know, with the book that we that we have, where you've got to do some thinking and looking inward uh, to yourself. So. So we use basically, uh, as I mentioned, three different tools to gather some input because it's hard to take a view of ourselves because we're in ourselves, right? You can't see the nose on your face. It's just right It's there, but you can't even see it yourself. So it's very helpful to get feedback from other people. So we have you send out this unique ability letter, which you can get at uniqueability.com, by the way. You can go and start the letter even without buying the book. I highly recommend doing this because it's the it's just the coolest thing to do ever because what you're doing is giving people in your life that you care about, that you trust, an opportunity to tell you what they love about you. And often we don't do this. We're always asking people how we could get better, what improvements I can make. And we're not asking for that stuff. We're actually asking for only the good stuff. What are you counting me for? What am I amazing at? What are my talents? What are the characteristics that describe me? I mean, people get their letters back. So we say even send it out to eight or ten people. They are so moved and so touched. If they're ever having a bad day, they pull out their letters. You know, it's just, plus it's an amazing gift for people to be able to say it to you while you're still living and you can actually get the feedback. So that's one of the tools that we use. Then we use the Strengths Finder assessment, which you can go to gallupstrengthcenter.com 
Uh, we have the information in our book as well and even on our uniqueability.com website. Again, it's not our profile. We just love it because it's very much in alignment with, with our uniqueability concept. But it's a tool that gives you these words. You do this online assessment. It's timed. It's quick. So it comes from your intuitive limbic part of your brain. It's your natural talents that come out. And you, you end up with a report that gives you your top five strengths, which are these patterns of uh, behavior and feeling and thought that are, again, innate. Um, so you end up with these five words, okay? You, you know, for you, strategic is your number one strength on the strengths finder. So that's really the ability to find strategies, solve problems, find a path, probably hundreds of paths, <laughs> right, to, to the end to to solve some kind of a problem. So you end up with your top five words. You can even get the whole list in order, which I love getting to just because I, I like to go deep. But even if you just got your top five, then you've got some words and some language to start with. And then the other tool we use is another profile, which not as many people know about, and I wish everybody did, uh, called the Colby, K-O-L-B-E, um, created by, invented by a woman named Kathy Colby in Arizona. And it measures something totally different. The, the Strengths Finder is really a personality profile. Um, it's, it really describes what motivates you. Like you love to solve problems and come up with strategies, right? That's something you love to do. So you love to dream and think about the future. And, and um, Colby measures something different. It measures more how you act when you're striving. When you're solving a problem, how do you do that? So you do that in a way that simplifies things, right? that creates shortcuts and, and you do it in a very adaptable way so you can ping all over the place and <laughs> go from here to there and back and over uh, like a pinball machine, right? And then you do it in a very innovative way and also a way that uses your imagination versus a ta ta tangible hands-on way. So your Colby gives you these four numbers that measures sort of these four action modes about how you take action. So I've got my particular talents and strengths, and then I do it in a very, the way my Colby describes, I do it in a very, I, I'm kind of the opposite of you. I do it in a much more systematic way. Um, I need more information than you, so I explain a lot, which is what I'm doing in the book and probably what I'm doing as I talk. Um, and I do it in a way that creates stability for people. So it's kind of unique ability to me is that stabilizing foundation on which everything else is built. So they give you these four numbers that, that relate to your fact finder ability, which is how you gather and share information, your follow through ability, which is how you arrange and design things, your quick start, which is how you deal with risk and uncertainty, like you love to go into those unknowns, right? And then your implementer is how about you how you handle space and tangible solutions. So you get these four numbers. So the strengths finder gives you five words. And the Colby gives you four numbers. So it's simple. You know, there's a ton of depth to each of those profiles, but it's simple. And with those numbers for Colby, you also get words. So again, we're trying to narrow down all this complexity of you, of you as a human being into, you know, what are your strengths? How do you go about doing things according to your Colby when you're striving? And then what are all, what's all this feedback from people that you can get in your life? Because that'll pick up a lot of things that the Colby and StrengthsFinder don't pick up. And uh, and then in the book, what we do is we take you through a process of, okay, now you have this huge amount of input and data almost. How do I find the themes? So then you start to look for what are the main themes? And you can actually start with the Strength Finder and Colby because they give you a lot of the themes right there. And then you start to look at, well, what do, what do I always do? So if we look at your strategic ability, you ask, well, what am I always doing? So what are my talents around that? And then what am I passionate about creating? 
by by you know helping people come up with these strategies. Um, and we come up with what we call your 10 best habits, which really describe each of these themes. So it could be a paragraph on each of these themes. And um, once we've got that, and you kind of, a lot of it's just playing with words. You're really just looking inside. A lot of people have never done this before. They never stop and think, oh, what am I doing every day? And why am I doing it? It's really those two simple questions. What am I doing and why am I doing it? And how am I doing it? Maybe to add a little flavor, right? But they don't really stop and ever have that awareness. They're just busy being themselves and doing what they do normally. But by taking uh, taking a few trips to the coffee shop and going through this process, you'll actually end up with these 10 paragraphs. And then you can boil it down into one sentence so that by the end, like you, you shared your amazing unique ability, you've got a sentence that kind of is it's kind of like your mission in life, if you want to think of it that way. It's like your compass. It's kind of your guiding light. And and you've got these 10 paragraphs that help give you what you really end up with is almost like a filter for what kind of activities now do I want to be doing that use all of these different talents and natural abilities that I have and tap into my greatest passions. What relationships would I want to interact with? Who's, who needs my unique ability, right? Who can I create the most value for? And, uh, and what kind of team do I need around me? So it's kind of like the center of everything. And and when you really get connected with what your unique ability is and you really get the power behind it and appreciate it and sort of own it, man, the, the, the confidence that comes with that, the permission to let go of those competent, incompetent activities happen, you know, you give yourself permission to be yourself, um, you're taking something that was totally unconscious and you're making it conscious and it becomes real for you. And then you can really take it seriously and appreciate it. And then you can find whole different new ways to use it. And that's the cool thing I see when I hear, I get get emails back from my clients all the time. Hey, uh, you know, so I've delegated this and I've gotten someone else to handle this. And now, you know, I've written a book and I've gone out and I'm, I'm getting involved in a different industry and, you know, and I'm, I'm all these different things that people come up with once they're freed up. Or they're just expanding, you know, who their clients are. They've got more clients doing what they love to do. Um, and, and the growth that comes out of that is just phenomenal. Right. I want to spend a bit more time on this. I know you have so much of knowledge. So let's just uh, break it into small pieces. So let's take Kobe, for example. So uh, I have been a fan of Kobe since uh, you and Strategic Coach introduced it to me. And I pretty much had, you know, most of my team members take it, including myself. And I know this, at least my Kobe and many of my team members, pretty by heart. And by the way, I'm not the kind of person who likes to memorize things, but <laughs> I, I did, you know, memorize. But it gives you the bottom line about a person, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. In, in a few minutes, it gives you the bottom line. So the way I looked at it is there's a, there are four action modes. They talk about your instincts, right? And um, the first one is uh, fact finder. So that's kind of how you process information. In my case, I mean, they give you a score of uh, 0 to 10. And, uh, you know, in my case, I'm a 3, which means for me it's like simplify. Give me three bullet points. That's me. I just zoom into that, you know. And you are, on the other hand, on the other end, right? I think you are like an 8. I'm a 6, actually. I'm a a 6, so I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle zone. So I I can sort of translate between the 3s and the 9s. I can kind of be almost a bridge builder between those two people. But my word for my six is explain. And I do want to just point out too, because when we start talking scores, kind of people start to think that they can fail. 
you know, the Colby, and it's not a test or anything because you can't fail, first of all. But I just want to point out that a 3 is a strength, just like a 6 is a strength, just like a 10 is a strength. So if you have a, a, a smaller number, it's not a weakness. The 3 is actually, you can cut through all those details, and you can you can give the three simple bullet points when you're faced with a whole bunch of information. And when you are making a decision or striving, you only need a little bit of fact before you go forward. Whereas someone who is an eight or a nine is going to need a lot more information. I'm kind of in the middle. I need some information, but I'm my eyes are going to start to glaze over after a certain point when the real research and analysis and weighing pros and cons goes into greater depth, then I'm going to want to talk to someone else, my friend, my colleague who's a nine. I'm going to call on her because she loves that. <laughs> she can do that forever. Yeah, that's the other thing. The more I get into it, I realize, you know, just like a three can be a strength, like in the, like you said, you know, making decisions and, and being decisive, three is awesome because you get to the bottom line very fast. On yeah. the other hand, nine is also a strength. So if you're trying to do some complicated thing, you need somebody to cross the I's and, uh, you know, dot the T's. And and so you don't want to be simplifying it and mess up with this huge project. Let's say you're building a house or building something. You don't want to be a three when you're doing that. You need to be a nine. Or at yeah, least you need to have somebody yeah. who's a nine, you know, in your team who's very detail-oriented. That's right, putting the right people in the right roles, right? Because you want to you, you be able to rely on those facts and details when you need them. And in our accounting team, for example, a lot of initiating fact finders. So they have sevens, eights, nines in fact finder, and they make sure those details and those numbers are handled beautifully. And that gives a lot of confidence to the owner of our company who's a three and a two, right, in right. fact finder. Exactly. The next one, uh, they look. They have four action modes. The sec- next one is follow through. Again, I'm a three, and my de- definition of following through is letting somebody else do the follow through, which is delegate. Right? <laughs> and uh, somebody in the middle, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they they are good at uh, following systems created by others, but they may not be the ones creating the systems. And somebody at the high end, let's say eight or nine, they actually can even create the system. That's right. So I'm an eight. So I'm sort of the I'm the creator of the systems. And again, that only applies to systems that I really like. So for me, they're around people growth systems. I'm not an administrative system kind of person. I told someone that one time, and they were kind of surprised. Just because you're an eight and follow through doesn't mean you like every kind of system. Again, that's a different part of the brain. What you like doing. This is sort of what you do naturally. And I'm going to systematize whatever area that I care about. And if I don't care, my Colby's not going to kick in. So if I don't care about something, I'm not going to organize it. I'm not going to put a structure or system around it. If I care about it, I'm going to, my, my instincts are going to kick in. And you, your strength with your, your three follow-through is that you can create shortcuts. You know, I, my benefit, I could come to you and say, hey, Naren, I've got this process. Can you help me see which steps are you going to skip? Because you're going to probably skip some of those steps of my process, and then I'm going to be able to come up with a better process and maybe a simpler one, and that has, uh, you know, doesn't require as many as many steps. Uh, and you're going to be able to switch tasks. You're going to be able to start one thing here and, and go over there, switch back and forth much more easily than I am. I'm the kind of person who doesn't really love to be interrupted, whereas people like you probably thrive on interruptions. Oh, something new, something, and, and you can turn on a dime. And that that's an amazing talent. And in certain situations, you need you, and in other situations, you need me. Right. 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 Exactly, and, and the that, people in the that, middle, yeah, can maintain those systems, and they can again translate the pe- between you and me. 
Right, because I have found sometimes I have a person who is in my team, he's a nine fact finder and three fact finder. It's sometimes really hard to have a yeah. conversation because he gives me 20 page documents, I give him three bullet points. So it's like. <laughs> yes, so there are people who have a Colby where it's all across the middle, They're all of their numbers are in four, five, and six mode, which I know you're. Where people can't see this, but if you can just picture a bar and then in the middle, there's a zone in the middle. So you, those people are valuable on a team because they can translate between the end zones. Now, a nine fact finder kind of has to learn how to communicate to a three fact finder. So the nine fact finder may want to go and share all of their, you know, thousand sheets of paper with someone else who's an initiating fact finder. And to you, they really, what we try to do is communicate in the way the person is going to receive it. So to you, I would give you the bottom line. Here are the top three bullet points. And then for those who want more information, you know, if you're writing an email, start with the top three bullet points that you really want someone to get, and you can give the other details for those who need it. Right. Uh, right. And I'm sure, you know, doctors would see this when they're dealing with patients. Some patients just want the bottom line. Some patients want every detail under the sun. And um, and sometimes if you if you're talking to somebody who only wants three bullet points and you're spending half an hour explaining something, the eyes are going to glaze over and they won't even be able to focus. Right. Yeah, on the so other hand, knowing this exactly. Go ahead. Right. On the other hand, if somebody wants a lot of details and you just give them three bullet points again, they won't be convinced because they're like, you know, because they like the eyes dotted and t's crossed. Yeah. So it might stretch us sometimes to try to communicate in a way that another person would receive it, but ultimately we want to make the communication an effective one, so we have to sometimes stretch. Even though you're a simplifier, you may have to, you know, you're actually going to a great amount of detail today, um, and, but, you know, I think because you want to create value and have people really understand and get clear on it. So right. you can't, you can go there if you need to, right? Right. So we talked about fact finder, we talked about follow through, and the next one, which is where I am a nine at, is called quick start. And that's kind of taking risks and taking on your feet. And uh, I guess I love that. I mean, I spend most of my time, and that's why my unique ability, a lot of it is focused on, you know, my ability to dream and, you know, all of that stuff. And I'll get into my strength finder just to give some clarity, you know, around how that piece fits in. Um, but two of my my number one and number two strength is strategic and futuristic. So I guess I like to dream and I like to, you know, think in different ways. So, and when when you combine that with my quick start, which is my ability to think on my feet and, and take risks, it tends to be awesome for me and I tend to create a lot of value for people around me. Um, now, on the other hand, we need people with a three quick start because, you know, you don't want somebody like me kind of, messing up the China store every day, right? You need somebody to keep that China store organized and, you know, the lights on and, you know, um, you know. Yeah, we uh, use uh, we use the example of a bunch of helium balloons, you know, where you've got the initiating quick starts coming up with new, uh, you know, new, better, different is usually the shiny object syndrome where there's something new or something different. Even your thinking differently, I think, Naren, is actually really tied into your quick start because you think of different alternative ways to do things. So your strategies are going to be maybe more unconventional and against the status quo, not what someone would normally come up with. And right. then your dreaming is really that futuristic strength that you have where you can just imagine what the future might be like, which again, it comes easily to you, but not necessarily to everybody. But then you're going to do that in a very innovative, um, 
way where where and and you're going to improvise, you're going to experiment, you're going to test things out, you're going to kind of defy the odds of what other people would normally do. And then yeah, there's me who's kind of holding there, well wait a minute, let's just stick the things that are working. Let's just keep those working. Okay? And let's just change in maybe this one area so that we've got some stability. You know, you want to create that space for innovation, but then, you know, Dan in our company is a 10 out of 10 quick start. So he's always constantly improvising and innovating new things. But then we also have part of the company where if you did that every day, oh my gosh, first of all, you'd have tons of errors and mistakes if you were always changing everything. And when you get a bigger organization, you can't make those kind of changes all the time. So he's got a playground in which he can innovate. And then there's a lot of the rest of the company that is really stable. And we've got a lot of stability people in those positions because you want, you know, for us, you want those binders to be accurate. You want the people to get the right materials. You want people to show up on the right day for their workshops. You know, you want people to come to their appointments on time at the right place. You need those people who are the fact finder follow-through people to keep all that stuff organized. And right. then that gives you the freedom and the space to innovate within that bigger structure. Absolutely, yeah. So we we need the different people. So So I'm good at the cutting edge, but once the cutting edge is no longer the cutting edge, I need somebody to just keep keep it, you know, the best it can be. And there you need the people with high, you know, fact finder, high follow through, yes. right? You know, just to keep things running, you know, in a perfect way. And I love, as a three quick start, I love innovations because I know they're going to make things better and and they're interesting and they're fun. But but how they get implemented, I might need to be in charge more of when they get implemented and that kind of thing. But it doesn't mean I don't like innovations, right? I love them. I actually totally right. love them. Otherwise, I wouldn't work here. <laughs> and yeah. I love alternative different kinds of things. I'm not resistant to them, but I will help provide that stability. I'll clarify what the deadlines are. I'll maybe bring in some of the other things that maybe hadn't been thought of just to reduce the um, unexpected worst-case scenarios, right? I'm always kind of looking for those sort of things. Yeah, like I have a person who's a nine fact finder, and I believe uh, is a researcher profile, four or five follow-through, and then three quick start. He's an amazing innovator from a technical standpoint. So you give him right. an unsolvable problem, and he will go in there and he'll figure it out. And, yeah. uh, you know, his high fact finder. And so he, he still does a lot of innovation. It's just that... His innovation is based on analysis. My innovation is based on winging it. <laughs> yes, I love that. Thank you for saying that because sometimes people get caught up and think that only quick starts are innovative and creative, but we're all creative in our own way. And I'm creative in terms of systems, you know, and other people, like you said, are creative in terms of the technical or the research and analytical part. And some people are creative in the hands-on way, which is what I know you're going to talk about next in terms of the implementer and building things with their hands and creating things, three-dimensional things, you know, which I'm not good at at all. But I can imagine things in my mind and I don't have that that hands-on ability. Yeah, I think a lot of our doctors, I think, are pretty high on implementers, especially dentists and dermatologists, because, you know, they're working with their hands and they're literally creating things. So the last... It's interesting. Yeah, go ahead, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk on that point in a second after you describe what implementer is. Right. So the last one is implementer, which is the fourth action mode. And uh, again, you know, low score, high score, middle score, minus, I believe, a three. Um, so I, I work with my mind. So I'm not totally clear on the implementer as as well as, as as I'm clear on the other ones. Can you define the implementer for me a little bit more, please? 
Yeah, it's it's kind of the hardest one, I think, for people to understand. So really, it's about handling space and tangible things. So if you think of implementer, we don't mean implementing like implementing a project. We mean using implements. So physically using tools and working in three dimensions. So my hairdresser, for example, that I used to have, he was, a, a, I think, a seven or an eight in implementer. So he could see, you know, the shape, the back of my head. He could envision what it was going to be like, and then he could use the tools, the scissors, and everything very, very fluently uh, and loved doing that and was just naturally good at that. And, and so he would, would use, use tools and implements to produce a, a quality result, okay? So the right. one, two, and three are more the, yeah, like you said, in your mind, you can envision it. You find an intangible method to get something done. You know, we have someone on our team who's uh, our computer tech guy, and he's a seven implementer. So, you know, he physically will come and see you if he wants to talk to you. He physically will come into your office space. And then he'll pick something up off the desk, and he'll play with it. And he'll maybe take it apart and put it back together. And, you know, he'll take computers apart and put them back together. And he's got a green thumb. He's got plants all over the office and everything. So there's real tangible sense. And he built all of the racks that all the plants are on. You know, and they will last and they will not fall down because they're done with a sense of quality. And then the middle is sort of people who will restore, maybe rearrange. You know, my, my sister's is a five implementer, so she actually does a lot of baking and using tools that way. She'll use her hands uh, in terms of renovations at the cottage, more from uh, breaking things down or rearranging versus actually building. The people who are sevens, eights, nines, and tens, I have another friend who's a wood turner, and he creates these wooden bowls and, you know, cutting boards and things like that. I still have things he made me 30 years ago, and they're in my house, and they will last forever. So the people who really last those, those quality things, they're going to last forever. Some, I would say, some dentists and doctors are longer implementer, but not all of them. <laughs> and sometimes it kind of trips people up when they get their coli back, and they... And they see I had one dentist who was a three implementer, and he was really, really, really good at it, very good at dental surgeries. But, you know, when he looks at his future and what he really wants to do, the reason he got so good at it is, was mostly to prove to his father that he, his father told him he wasn't good with his hands, and he proved him wrong. <laughs> and he right. became this incredible, you know, dental surgeon. Now, as he looks forward to his future, does he want to keep doing that? No, he actually wants to teach. And if he can be freed up from that hands-on stuff, he would be happy to be freed up from it. An initiating implementer would want to keep doing that. That's their natural way of operating. So you can kind of uh, over, I want to say override almost your Colby through sheer determination, through intelligence. You can maybe, you know, even, you know, some people go to boarding school and then all of a sudden they look like they're an initiating follow-through. Well, actually, it's because they're at boarding school where everything was highly regimented and systematic and they learned that. So you can, it can sometimes be a little bit masked and hidden what the true way of doing things for you is because you can actually learn and then show up maybe as something different. And some, some dentists are eight implementers and they'll do a textbook, you know, exactly the way it needs to be done and they'll love to get their hands in there and, and be hands-on with things. Other people, what they love is the strategy and the business side of dentistry and they actually don't love the hands-on part of it and that's not what comes naturally to them so it's kind of interesting when you get into the into those professions right so Kobe is a very powerful tool because it helps you get a better handle on yourself and it kind of gives you confidence right I think I knew who I am but knowing that on a piece of paper and seeing it 
and understanding it gives me confidence that I'm not crazy. I think my read on who I am is actually correct. Yes, validation is another huge thing I think that comes with Colby Strengths Finder, unique ability. Again, those are tools we use to help you define. So you validate, kind of like you said, I'm not crazy. And I think for Dan, when he first got his Colby back, because he's a 2 2 10 4, so very much like you, only even a little bit more extreme, it kind of gave him a, a sense of freedom like, wow, okay, I'm okay the way I do things. It is different than somehow some other people do things, but I don't have to, I can stop forcing myself to be someone that I'm not. And I think that's one of the greatest things ever about unique ability is it gives you this freedom from thinking you should be different than you are. You can embrace the way you do things and then you've carved out your life so that you can do things in a 3393 way, an innovator profile way with the team around you to support you so you can maximize that that strength right. and those talents. Right. And... Um... So we talked about unique ability. We talked about the fact that everyone has a unique ability. We talked about you know, how to at least reorganize your day so you're spending more time on U's and less time on, no time on I's and C's and hopefully less time on E's, uh, E for excellent. And then you started helping us get into the unique ability statement. You talked about how to use Kobe and, 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 and it's like a $50 test. It's called the Kobe A test. People can do that on Kobe.com, K-O-L-B-E.com. You talked about another tool you use to kind of find out what your motivations are, which is the Gallup Strength Finder. And again, you can just Google it and go there, and that's $15 by the Gallup organization, which is one of the largest polling organizations in the world. And they have this tool, I think, among other things, um, <clears throat> which tells you what your motivations are and what you kind of you know love. Like for me, it's futuristic and you know, um, what do you call it? strategic. So, um, and then you talked about um, the unique ability statement, right? So you boil it down and then you get it down to one sentence. Of course, you're simplifying it. I think if somebody really is serious, the next step should be to read that book by, you know, the unique ability 2.0 book on uniqueability.com. Is that what you would recommend, Julia? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're really serious, dig right in. We walk you through step by step. This is my eighth follow through. As much coaching over my last, you know, 18 years probably of doing unique ability sessions with our team and then with clients, um, we packed as much in there as we could. But it, people have said it's it's not necessarily an easy process in that it requires a lot of thinking and self reflection. But man, it's really people have done a fantastic job going through the process and coming up with identifying their unique ability and then looking through their activities and creating a plan and a path to help free you up. And every little bit is going to make a huge difference in your life. So absolutely, take action. Go on our uniqueability.com, get, grab the book. You can you can share it with your team, with your family. We wrote it. It's not just written for business people, but we do use examples from all entrepreneurs. Um, and, uh, you know, do your Colby, do your Strengths Finder, send out that unique ability question to people and just get started down the path because it's uh it's a really cool thing you'll experience benefits right away yeah that's that's very true i mean i've used it for more than more than 15 16 months and i use it every day and now all my team members are using it actually i have three people out of the 200 people just focused on helping people you know find out their unique ability and their kobe and things like that and really kind that's of zoom amazing. into that more and more good for you that's great yeah, I mean, because the, the aha moment for me, Julia, was that when people love what they do, you don't have to manage them. I yes. mean, 
true. You don't have to beat them up. You can just say, wow, and they'll just keep doing more of it. It's just magic. And some parts of our business has grown like, you know, 100 times. And it's just because they do what they love. You know, yeah. I mean, it sounds crazy, like 100 times. How do you grow 100 times? But, I mean, with a little bit of imagination and creativity and putting the right people in the right roles, you can do magic. Yeah, you kind of unleash people, right? You just let them fly the way that they're meant to fly. And, man, that's when this really cool stuff happens. And and that's how you get that kind of growth. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I have to thank you and Strategic Coach for all of this because before you guys, I didn't – I kind of it made common sense that you need to work on your strengths, but you guys verbalized it. You gave it a name. You created a process. You showed us how, and you kind of made it simple for us, especially for somebody like me, you know, uh, you know, who likes simplicity. You made it simple even for me. And then, of course, you you have, you know, for people who love the details, that book is amazing. And and trust me, I have that book. I have I have I, I have done everything you're talking about, but I did it because I was in your workshop and you showed me how in 30 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you found a shortcut, see? And that's where, yeah, Dan, Dan's unique ability, I give him such amazing kudos because he can name, he can simplify the most complex things for people and that's that's really what, what his genius is and then create these languages for you to have a conversation with yourself and then free yourself up from uh, from everything. So, and free yourself up to do what you really are are kind of designed in the world to do, which is great for everybody. It's a win-win on all fronts. So thank you so much for the opportunity to share my passion and talk to people about about unique ability. I just I just love uh, helping people uh, go down that path. Thank you, Julia. And I strongly recommend everybody to go to uniqueability.com and strategiccoach.com. It's amazing. I mean, I, I'm a student, so... Uh, I, I actually, you know, pay money to be part of their program because it's unbelievably awesome, and um, and I think it's worth, uh, you know, it's worth it. So definitely read the book, and I, I see a video, Julia, where you're explaining this even more on your website, uniqueability.com. So I think people should watch that video. And I even looked at that uh, email you were talking about to send your colleagues. That's under the resources tab. Uh, yeah, so we tried to put as many resources, sorry, as possible, so people could yeah. get started. You know, we just want you to get started. So just pick one thing and do that, um, right. and then go for it. Thank you very much, Julia. I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's amazing. It's one of the best uh, podcasts I've done, and uh, and uh, your knowledge is so valuable. So I learned so much today, and I'm sure our listeners also did. So thanks Thank a lot. You. Thank you. It's been a blast. Totally fun. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. And thanks, everyone, for listening to another awesome episode of Growing Dentist Podcast Show with Julia Waller of strategiccoach.com.